The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. What we're going to talk about today is old. O-L-D. No, I'm not talking about your age. I'm not talking about a person fearing their age. I'm talking about obsessive love disorder. There's an actual condition related to the topic we're talking about today. You can find the reference information and the article on facebook.com backslash romantic truth. What this condition means is that a person may fall in love with someone that they never met before, never saw before, but may be online with, for instance. Or they could be in the presence of that person, not know that person, but tell them they love them prematurely. And these people don't care if you tell them yes or no that you love them back. These are hopeless romantics. Remember that term I use? These are people that live in more of a fantasy world than reality. This is their form of escapism. Because they're taking on a narrative where they love this person, they're going to be with this person, and they will do anything with or for this person. Sex, moving in with them, coming to visit them, they have an open door. Now, here's another thing that you have to remember about these type of people. They will invite anyone that they like and that they want without knowing much about them, if at all, come to their residence, sleep with them, spend a night with them, come to the hotel, the whole night. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this in particular is because I have dealt with this many times over, and a guy by the name of Bradley wrote in from Carson, California about this same topic. Now, I'm not going to read his email because it was rather long and boring. Sorry to say it, Bradley, but it was. He rambled. But what it was about, basically, he had met this woman online. She lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He lives in Carson, California. They started texting about three or four days ago. Within that period of time, this woman has told him that she loves him. She's already did video chat where she masturbated in front of him. She's already given him an open invitation to come to her home. She's already told him that they're going to get married. She's already gone down the whole list of stuff. And this woman is 47 years old. Bradley's 58. And he's like, is something wrong with this picture? 
And I told him, yes. He's facing the same thing I've faced in the past. Now, there was some correlation with all the women that I've dated in the past. Now, I don't know about this gentleman, but all the women that had this condition, particularly, there were several things that were associated with them. One, they had trauma in their lives, meaning that they were either abused as children, sexually, usually. They had been victims of rape or domestic violence or a combination of all. That was one thing I had to look back on because what you have to remember with dating, you have to look for patterns of behavior. That's going to be indicative of what you're dealing with. Now, here's the other thing too. Everything is more centric from their point of view. So the person that they're pursuing is, they're irrelevant, really. Because see, it's their show. They're the ones that are in love. They're the ones that are saying all these things and they will get upset with you if you don't agree with them. But now, here's a downside to it as well. They try to do things on your behalf first, but they're doing it in order to create some sort of uh, equity. And now they're going to roll out the red carpet completely. But what you'll also notice is that they'll agree with you. Very agreeable. So you could say, I don't like pizza. They'll say, oh, I don't like pizza either. Then you could just turn around and say, I like pizza. Oh, I love pizza. Patronizing. That's another characteristic. They're used to placating people because they've been in abusive relationships and they don't want to ruffle any feathers and they want to walk on eggshells. This is what they do regularly. Now, a lot of guys get comfortable with women like these because they think, oh, well, you know, she's easy, she's submissive. It's going to be easy going here. Nope. Because what happens is this. Her attention comes from the attention she can attract from a man based on her love bombing. And that's what this is. Love bombing, for for those of you who don't know, is when a person gives you undeserved praise, love, and affection in a relationship that you haven't even come close to earning. That's a camouflage situation where they don't want you to see their true intentions. Their true intentions, you know what it is? It's to take care of that damn insecurity they have. Or it may be combined with an addiction they may have. That insecurity of abandonment, of being alone, carries more weight than anything else. Carries more weight than their love for you. Carries more weight than anything else. So they're actually compelled by an insecurity 
to pursue a relationship more often than not. And this is what you're going to have to also consider and look at when you're dealing with a person like this. But they're going to always try to bring it back to where the two of you are in this relationship. And I'm telling you, you don't even have to be in the same town, state, country. You could have only chatted with this person through text messages. And that's enough for them. They'll tell their friends, oh, I'm in a full-blown relationship. Oh, I'm committed. And a lot of guys make the mistake of trying to pursue a relationship with them, as I did in the past. And let me tell you what had to happen to me, what I had to do. After I started looking at the behavior and the patterns of hearing things such as, yeah, well, you're a nicer guy to me than my exes have been because they all put hands on me. And then I'm sitting there and I'm wondering why, and I'm like, then I get it. I see why. Well, yeah, they said that I was too obnoxious. Do you think I'm obnoxious? Do you think I really obsess too much and worry about things too much? That's because they're not comfortable in their own skin. They're like a person that walks around without an emotional skeleton. They're like an octopus. They fit in the crevices as opposed to being the person they are. They'll usually deflect and try to be something they're not, like plenty of them had in the past. And this is the reason why I don't date wiggers. You know, the white girls that are trying to act like black girls. I just don't do it. Because there's an identity crisis there. And they'll say something like, well, you know... um, I grew up in this kind of neighborhood. I grew up around these people. That's all well and good. But what that tells me also is that you can't even control your environment. Your your environment controlled you because it made you a product of it. And so what happens with this? She's got the cornrows. She's got the cultural appropriation. She's got all this stuff going on. The slang and all of this. It's like an actor or a singer that doesn't know when to sit the fuck down. But this is the way it is. I mean, it's like they mass produce these folks. It's not like one off of one, two. No, there are a lot of people that are like this. And here's another thing, too. And some of you ladies have already run into this many times over. So you know exactly what I'm talking about here. And here's the other thing, too, with this. They try to mask themselves in some sort of fantasy. A lot of them like to read romance novels and stuff like that. And they immerse themselves in this make-believe world where they treat a relationship like therapy without actually going. And this is when I say... A lot of people are emotionally unavailable. I'm talking about the fact that a lot of them need to go to a therapist instead of to a dating site. Because they have a lot of issues they still have to contend with. 
And dragging that shit from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next is not the answer. And when I brought up the word therapy to many of them who needed it, oh boy, I got cussed out. And then after that, they told me they loved me again. And then breaking up with them is something else. Because they try to manipulate you. Because you know that attention they try to get by telling you that you hurt their feelings by breaking up with them? They use that as leverage in order to try to gain power and to get back in a relationship. And what are some of the things they'll do? Sex is at the top of the agenda. That's the first thing they're going to do. They don't care even if they have to be a sex toy to be in a relationship with you. They just want a piece of you. These people are emotionally desperate and they don't realize it's a condition. I'm telling you folks. And there's a lot of things associated with it. The way they behave is going to be a factor. They may act out in public when they don't get their way with you after a while. Because see, in their head, they already have this narrative going about the relationship. And sometimes they'll feel as though you're going to fuck it up for them. And they want to guide everything in their direction, whichever direction that is. So this just to give you some insight so that you'll be aware. So when you run into something like this, you know what the hell you're dealing with. Because sometimes we go into these relationships and we don't notice some of the patterns. It took me a while. It took me about five women who had this condition to really look at what was going on. Because each of them were presented differently in different phases of my life. But I was able to look back. And that was one of the reasons why I started journaling my dates and relationships. Because what I found was, as I did that in the past, I realized that, hey, wait a minute. I'm seeing similarities in behavior and patterns. And what that also did for me, it helped me to recognize these things early so I knew how to engage and disengage and deal with them. And this is what sometimes you will have to do out there on the dating scene. You know, when you run across that same type of person and a lot of you ladies get frustrated and you say, oh, these men ain't shit. You know, they're always playing games, they're always scamming. Maybe you need to look at the pattern of behavior in the men. And that will give you an indication of what's attracted them from you. This is the same thing I had to use in order to start avoiding more of those women. I looked at the pattern of behavior and what were the things that attracted them to me. And I started to realize then, okay, I need to work on these things in order to minimize my exposure to these women. And this is what you will have to do sometimes. Because, you know, one thing that I used to always get plagued with, to this very day I do, somebody walk up to me and say, you know, you just seem like you're very approachable and easy to talk to. And boy, once when they start, they start going with their problems. They start going, especially the, the married women that were in bad marriages and have been in them a long time. Oh, boy. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not customer service for your marriage. I, You know, you did that. I didn't enjoy any of the pussy. 
And usually when I tell them that, and they hear that word, damn, that's right. I'm telling them all. But outside of that, shit, they want somebody to purge to. And I know some of you say, well, I would never do that. That's bullshit. <laughs> People have actually revealed shit to me. I didn't ask for it. Not that I'm a guru or something like that. It's because of the fact that they feel comfortable purging to a stranger because they've worn out everybody else's ear with their story. Family members don't want to hear it. Girlfriends don't want to hear it anymore. Co-workers are tired of hearing it. So they got to find somebody new in order to share this shit with. And one thing I used to ask them. So how many people have you told this to as well? Oh, well, you know, I told my girlfriend and I told this. I said, that's your problem. I said, if I was your man and you telling our business to everybody out, I would never trust you. Really? No, I wouldn't. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be in a relationship with you. Well, I just wanted to get that humble opinion. And I asked, how many strangers have you told this to? And of course, they become very defensive then. Because they start to realize the magnitude of what they've done. I said, everything you told me, you should be telling your husband. Because after all, he's the person that can do something about it with you. I can't. I said, the farthest our relationship would ever get, if I were to stoop that low, being that you're married, is sexual. Ma'am, you would just get some dick, and that would be it. Because I wouldn't trust you, because if you're going behind your husband's back to do something like that, the only thing I could trust you with is my dick. And it would be in a condom. Because as far as my heart, you can forget it. As far as my trust, you can forget it. As far as my feeling, you can forget it. Because, see, here's what happens a lot of times with us. We get enamored. There were guys that used to say, hey, hey, uh, you talking to her, man? I'm like, no. And these single guys would go right up there, start talking to her. A lot of those gamma males would do it. Start talking to her. Well, you know what? She's off with them. A couple of times, she had sex with some of the guys. She'd come back. Have you seen so-and-so? No, I don't like hang out at this club. I go to various clubs and various restaurants. I said, so I don't know that person, but I saw them. I see them every once in a while when they come in. You say, hi, that's it. Well, I need to talk to him because he gave me something. Well, looks like you got to take that up with him. That's the way it goes. Some people actually live their lives that way. See, you would love to believe that everybody lives their lives like you do. Go to church every Sunday, respectful, keep your business to yourself. Guess what, folks? You're living in the clouds. There are people out here who are like an open book. 
I never forget one day I was at work and these two ladies would always, you know, tease each other and, and talk about things. And the one lady said, you know, I'm horny as hell right now. And she thought that those two were the only ones in proximity. And then I told her, I said, well, you can go to Spencer's gift shop, just joking around. Once she heard that I had heard that, what she said, she looked at me, she came over, and she was saying, oh my God, I, you know, I, I didn't mean for you to hear that, blah, 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 blah. And she was trying to ask me not to say anything or expound on it or anything. And I said, no, we're cool with it. Well, nothing happened for a pretty good while. Then her birthday came around. And at this company we worked for, everybody's birthday was celebrated. It usually started the day before, the day of the birthday, and the day after. Now, the day of your birthday, you were not supposed to come into work. It was all paid for. So she didn't come into work that day. And what we were going to do was set up a party for her on the day she came back after her birthday. Which I thought was kind of a weird arrangement, but it was pretty cool. She comes back and the first thing she does is make a joke about the Spencer's gift shop in reference to the inside of reference information that she had shared with the lady and with me. And she said, well, only a few people know about this and she starts giggling. And I'm saying to myself, you were the one that didn't want me to say anything and now you're doing this. It was weird. But the catering was nice. Cake was good. Food was good. And we had a nice time as employees. But what I'm getting at, folks, is that most often when you're dealing with these folks, they may be very provocative sexually. They may be one of these people that are down for anything. And that's okay, but what you got to remember is they're pouring this on real thick early on. And so as a man, when a woman is doing that, we already know there's some sort of agenda. But the one thing I would tell you guys, don't fuck around and get these women pregnant. And a lot of them will go for that because they're looking for equity. They're looking for security in the relationship. Like I said, these are not bad people. They just need help and guidance. A lot of them fantasize based on what they read in romance novels, romantic comedies, those kind of things. Good luck with that. And, and just for the record, every woman that I dated that was into romance novels and romantic comedies, the relationships never got off the ground. We never made it past two dates. Because they were living in this world that didn't exist. It's a form of escapism. And it became very annoying. 
they're making references to things that you don't really know about. But in their head, in their world, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay. You mean to tell me you haven't read that romance? No, I didn't. I never told you I like romance novels. You never asked me. But this is what they do. Very centric in their thinking. So now you know. The article's on facebook.com backslash romantic truth. More in a moment. We recently went to Florida to celebrate my birthday. And we stopped in Mississippi, unavoidable. By then you're like, you're exhausted and tired and all that. You need gas and coffee. So we stop and we get coffee. And the ladies there were really nice at this like quickie stop mart type deal. And they make us coffee. And I'm stirring in the cream. And this woman cop barges through the door. And she's beautiful. She's she's young and she's very pretty. And she says, whose children are outside, out there in the Ford truck? And I was like, my kids. And she goes, well, I just watched one pull, pull the girl by her hair and fling her around and I'm gonna have to get involved now. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Uh, I, I'm gonna go outside right now and check it out. So, uh, my husband actually goes outside and my daughter's like, no one pulled my hair. And my daughter's seven years old. And if she, she would tell on her brother in a New York minute. So I thought that was a little bit weird because she usually is crying and you know, she's a, she makes the biggest scene typically with stuff like that. And she, my husband comes back in. He's like, Jade said she, nothing happened to her. And I'm like, that's weird, nothing happened to Jade. Well, the cop whipped her head around and she says, you call me a liar? And I'm like, well, no, but my daughter says nothing happened. And then the cop said, I have it on my dash cam. Would you like to see it? And I said, we, yeah, I probably should see it since I don't, I don't know what's going on. And my daughter's saying nothing happened. So the cop then says, this store is closed, you need to leave. And I'm like, and there's people still coming in the door. And I'm like, it's closed. Okay, I'll pay for my coffee and I'll go. Yeah, you need to go, she says. And I'm like hoping she'd show me the dash cam. She was in no mood at all. So we go outside. I open the door. I holler at my child. And I'm like, what the hell's happening in here that a cop has to get involved? My 17-year-old says nothing. I don't even know what the cop's talking about. So the cop sees that I have expired tags, but our new tags, we just haven't put them on. So she's like, calls her supervisor, thinks she's gonna take me away to jail. And I'm telling the kids to sit down, buckle up. And I do, I said, this cop's being a bitch. You guys need to buckle up when you get the hell out of here. I'm done with this fucking state. Well, she's standing behind me. And she said, did you just call me a bitch? And I'm like, well, I didn't know you were behind me, but yeah. All 
right, folks. Uh, another thing that's trending now and that's happening, and I'm going to read an email from Nancy. And Nancy's out of Las Vegas, and she's 23 years of age. I thought this was pretty amazing what she wrote in here. I started listening to your show on the recommendation of another friend. I'm learning a lot. I'm about six weeks pregnant now. Starting a show, getting things together, and hopefully I can get my life together after I have my child. I'm hoping that she's a girl. Haven't checked yet, but that's what I'm praying for. Me and the baby's daddy are no longer an item. He told me that he didn't want to have anything to do with the little bastard, and that was it. I took him at his word, but I don't want to stop my life. I've already gone on Tinder and started putting up a profile looking for someone that would be a good father for my child. I've also registered with this new site that I heard about called Pregnant Dating. I'm going to see how things go. I'll keep you posted as we go along. I really love your show and what you do. Keep up what you're doing. You're helping all of us. Now, here's the issue that I have with someone doing this. I'm not the morality police, and many of you know this. And you know, and it cracks me up because a lot of times when I tell a woman, for instance, that I have a podcast, first thing she says, she comes with that misogynist shit. Oh, well, you probably always giving the man's perspective, and that's all you know, and that kind of thing. When they start becoming triggered like that, they'll never get on the show. I'll never deal with them. It's like this one person was trying to get me to send me an invite to this one forum. We're going to get to this young lady in a minute. And on this particular forum, it had something to the effect of Men are attracted to beautiful women. Beautiful women are attracted to successful men. Fat girls are something or other. And it was just it, ugly men. Or it, was, it was stupid. Because the thing that gets me is that we start taking this brush. We start painting everybody the same color. When we don't get what we want. The thing is, people are lazy. They don't like doing the work. Because that's what it takes for a relationship to function. You got to find out whether or not this is going to be something you could deal with. And if you can deal with it, then you go on from there. Now, in this case with this young lady and her situation being pregnant, she's what, seven weeks pregnant, she said? Six, seven weeks? Here's the problem. The problem is, she's going to get plenty of dick before the child is born. But the other problem for her is going to be the quality of men she gets. She's going to get a quantity of men, but she needs to be concerned about the quality. Personally, she should be focusing on her baby. Damn the relationship. Wait until she after she has the child and then start looking after she's got herself settled. But what she's trying to do, 
She's trying to pre-plan everything so that by the time she has that child, she's already got somebody that's going to be there with her and they're going to skip down the yellow brick road happy ever, happily ever after. Not so much. There's a lot of things she's got to go through. Her body may be uh, discolored because of the fact that she's got different fluids going through her. She's going to also swell up. Breasts may get larger. Feet may get larger because of the fluids in her body. Aches and pains like you wouldn't believe. She's got a lot coming her way. Mood swings. I dated one pregnant woman in my life. And I will tell you, it was a tough situation. It wasn't pleasant. It was not pleasant. Not because I think pregnant women are disgusting. I don't. But we couldn't really enjoy each other because she was going through the mood swings and all the rest of those other things. The body changes. And I never forget one night, she obsessed over the fact that her areolas turned black, turned very dark. And she said, look at my private area. It's dark. I said, well, yeah, you're going to change because it affects different people in different ways. And she obsessed over the way she looked as her body changed because of her pregnancy. We didn't stay together until she had the child. But the interesting thing was, I think we broke up about, it was in her third trimester around, I think it was her eighth week of pregnancy. I mean, eight month, not a week, eight month of pregnancy, I believe it was. But when we met, she was not even showing. She dropped that on me after we started dating. And at first I was like, well, maybe I should just run for the hills. But I was under the impression that the father was going to come back. Never did. And the interesting thing was, when it got closer for her to have that child, oh, she changed. I wasn't good enough at that point. She was looking for someone a little bit more structured, a little bit more level-headed. Level-headed to her meant someone that had a mansion and about $20 million put away. Oh, she had those high hopes. But I didn't notice this until after I got involved. The materialism started coming in. The worse she felt about herself physically, the more she demanded from what she wanted in a man. And fellas, you will have to go through all kind of shit if you haven't dealt with that before. This lady ordered, she wanted me to get a steak for her, ice cream, cake. Then she wanted watermelon. Did all of that crap. Mood swings like you wouldn't believe, getting mad, cussing you out. And you didn't get her pregnant. And see, this is the thing that you got to understand. You catching all this hell and it's not even your baby. This is the reason why the guys don't hang around that long. 
And so what this young lady's doing is she's shooting herself in the foot. Oh, she's going to get plenty of dick. She's going to get a lot of guys who are in the pregnancy fetishes. And folks, what that is primarily is that there are some men out there. They only date women in certain stages of their pregnancy. Some guys only like them when they first start showing. Others like it when they're midway. And there are other guys who like it when they're already almost ready to deliver. But after that, after the child's born, they have nothing to do with it for the most part. Now, some do, but most don't. Because that is their fantasy, sleeping with a pregnant woman. And the other side of it is that more often than not, these pregnant women are very horny. The one I was with, mm, we're like jackrabbits. But here's the thing that you have to understand, though. It depends on the integrity of the person. Like this lady, she told me, she was honest with me. She told me, she says, I'm already pregnant. It's not yours because we haven't had sex yet. So I just want you to know this. Okay, fine. But the boyfriend left her. For the same reason I left her, I realized later on. Material girl. Now, let's look at some other factors here as well. When you're dealing with a person that, how can I best say it? A person that's fixated on this type of thing. He only dates pregnant women. Ladies, please understand, as you already know, and please tell men this. If a guy's going to date you and you're pregnant, why don't you tell him, hey, why don't you wait until after the child is born? Give me a little time to really think about it and get myself together. See, you have a lot of men that you're going to attract, ladies, who want to prove their manhood with you as a pregnant woman. What I mean by this is they're coming into the situation. They find out that you're already pregnant. And then they take on that persona of, like, I'm a dad now. I'm a husband now. But they're not with the responsibility because, after all, it's not his child. And you see a lot of young dudes do this. I was young when I was with this woman. And let me tell you, I wasn't trying to prove anything. I didn't know she was pregnant. Some of these guys fall in that same category. They don't know. But there are others who find out and then all of a sudden they want to be dad. I told this lady straight up, I didn't want to be a father. I didn't want to have kids. So that was one thing I didn't have to worry about. In a situation like this, with these young men, a lot of them don't know. And before you know it, you got to hang around for the first child, then they want to have a second one with you.
but they don't know that they may have to deal with the baby daddy. They don't know that they may also deal with a change of course in life for you. You may decide, hey, you know what? I'm not going to fuck around staying in this small town carrying this baby working at a factory. I want to do something else with my life. He's got to have a plan. A lot of times these guys don't. Because during that time, I was looking at myself. I had a plan for me, but I didn't have a plan for a family. And by telling her up front that I did not have a plan for a family, it clarified a lot of things. She knew then that, hey, it's only going to go from point A to point B. And this is probably the reason why she felt like it was okay to be herself. As we progressed in the relationship and she became more materialistic, started to realize, oh, okay, well, it wasn't going anywhere anyway. That could be her way of qualifying us going our separate ways. Cool. And by the way, the lady that I dated that was in this condition, I spoke to her day before yesterday and tried to get her on the show. She declined. She's happy with her family. And she said that I could go on and talk about the situation. So I've always consulted with the people that I talk about on this show. It's not a situation where I just go and just throw somebody's stuff out there. As long as I don't use their name, I can talk about the situation. But I always get their permission before I do it. Because some of you write in and you're worried about that. Look, here's the thing. I don't have to do this for likes. I don't have to do this for any kind of sponsor. Because I only have one sponsor and that's Anchor. So I'm not bound to a lot of things that other people are. So rest assured, things are going well. All right. um, Another thing, too, about this. With this pregnancy situation, if a guy goes in and he has a fetish, ladies, I'm just telling you, don't get too emotionally involved with him. Because people... You got to remember one thing, an addiction and an insecurity, a person is more committed to those two than it would ever be to a person because that's intrinsic. It's inside them. What we usually do with our insecurities and what we usually do with our addictions, we manage them on a level where it's palatable, where we could function. The problem you run into is when you run across people with these fetishes or these emphasis on different things, that's one element of their personality that they can't manage very well. I had a lady that I dated for a brief time. Hell, I don't think we lasted two weeks. And we started talking met her in the mall, Lakewood Mall, down there in Lakewood, California. But the problem was, 
<laughs> she was telling me that her company had a problem with her. And I asked, what kind of problem? Because at the time I worked for a freight forwarding company. And she worked for the shipping company as well. But not the same company, it was a different one. And what happened was she told me, she said, well, they're upset about me. And she showed me the dress out of her shopping bag about wearing this dress. Don't you think this dress is sexy? I said, yeah, for the club, but not for work. And of course, this started back and forth with us. And then eventually she said, oh, no, I'm not done with you. We're going to lunch because uh, I'm not going to let you win this. This dress is within the guidelines of our, you know, employee protocol. She had a little book there. And she was going on, but I could tell what it was about was she liked me and she liked the back and forth. So we went on and we sat down in the food court and did our thing, chatted a little bit. And then she says, uh, you'd like to see me in this dress, wouldn't you? I said, well, that would be nice. And she said, well, here's my address. Pick me up. I'll be ready by seven. Folks, I picked this woman up. This is what happened. We went to see a movie, and I think the movie was Crossing Delancey. I think that's the name of the movie, because the reason why I remember the film so well is because there was one scene where they had a reverse shot in the mirror and you actually saw the cameraman there with the camera over his shoulder in the shot. And it was a brief shot, but I remember that because we both commented on it. We got back to that house, to her place. And I walked her to the door and said, come on in. Amen. Modest looking place. Put her arms around me. Gave me a kiss. And from then on, she said, well, we got to break this dress in. I didn't know what she meant by that. I found out. She wanted to have sex while she was in the dress. Now, it was cool with me. We did that. And I'm thinking, you know, damn, you know, this thing got to go to the cleaners, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking about minute shit after it was over because it was pretty good sex. Not the best I had, but good. She calls me up a couple of days later. I lost my job. What happened? I wore that dress to work and they said it was not within the guidelines. I'm going to sue. I'm like, well, how are you going to sue? You don't really, you need their money in order to even get an attorney. How are you going to sue somebody? She was an emotional wreck. So we came over, spent the weekend with her. And then after that weekend, she told me, she says, hey, we got to just go and try to find other people. We're just not going to be compatible. I'm asking why, trying to find out how I can improve. Because at that time, I was following those dumbass seminars where they say, oh, yes, well, you want to post mortem on your relationship from the 
person to get the closure and to find out how you can improve for your next relationship as if they're going to tell you. It's like asking your boss after you got fired, what could I have done to to have kept my job? So I'm following this bullshit from this popular guru at the time. And she says, I'm not going to tell you anything. you got to figure that out. You're a man. And I started first thinking that it was me. And it was something that I did, something I didn't do. Then I started to realize what it was. In the beginning, when she met me, she wanted to leave her job in the first place. What she was looking for was a man that was going to come in where she could quit her job and then be with him. Let him take care of everything. Automatic pilot. But it took me a while to figure that out. And then I realized that closure bullshit they were talking about, that's all it was. Because see, here's the thing. People will take closure on a breakup and use it as leverage to keep you around like a romantic or an emotional zombie. And that leaves the door open for them to come back and use you again if they need to. That's what it's about, folks. More in a moment. Hi, everyone. Jocelyn with you here. Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Now, there was a lady who's a gynecologist that was on TikTok, and she said that the average size of fulfillment that a woman needs from a man sexually is about three to four inches. Now, I've also looked at another study where female satisfaction is usually on average from six and a half, I believe they said, inches up to about seven. Eight and nine was for women with a larger vaginal canal. Now, some gynecologists would say that the vagina is more like a sphincter than like this hole that you just constantly open all the time. Now, I don't profess to be any kind of gynecological expert, but one thing that I do know for a fact, a woman will tell you what is good for her body and what's good for her in the bedroom. You guys are going to have to listen to them and quit with this macho shit of trying to act like you know what you're doing. The only thing you're doing is just drilling your dick in her and she's not getting any satisfaction. She's probably getting pain and she can't wait for you to stop because it doesn't feel like a pleasurable experience. It feels like she's being sexually abused because abusers Don't listen to the women that they abuse. The one thing a woman appreciates is when a man listens to her in the bedroom, especially. Because, see, at that point, you guys are in sync. You guys are talking to each other. You're listening to each other. You're loving each other. And what this also means is that 
she feels as though she has made a good choice and a good investment in a man. She's got this man between her legs. Her legs are wrapped around his waist. And she's stroking his hair and looking in his eyes and kissing him. And he's steadily, slowly going in her where she could feel every stroke. She could feel every muscle of his penis. Oh, she's liking that. And while she's doing it, she's talking to him. Fellas, this is what women desire. This is what they want. They want to have that moment of passion. Where, yeah, they're having sex and they're being nasty with it and everything. But overall, she's still being treated and respected like a woman. And not like an object. You're calling her name. You're kissing her neck. You're letting your tongue slide all the way down to her nipples. And then when you start flicking those nipples with your tongue, she's caressing your head. Stroking your head like she's the nurturer. She wants you to suck her breast. And so you do. And in some women, it stimulates them, and others, it doesn't. She'll let you know. She'll work with you. But this is what the woman, that's what she desires. Because, see, here's what happens with a lady. When you make love, I mean deep love to a woman, her knees are like noodles when you finish. She don't want to concentrate on anything. She just want to lay there, catch her breath, because she enjoyed the experience. She'll get the purring on your ass. And then while you're laying on your back, she's going to crawl over on your chest, give you a kiss, and lay her head on your chest. Because that's the security that she wants after the love you've given her. You see, as a man, what you're doing is You're using your masculinity for her reassurance. And the more masculine you are in a situation like that, the more feminine she becomes. And I don't mean this, you know, shit you see in the movies where the guy is handling the woman and throwing all over the place. No. Your masculinity comes out when you talk to her and she responds back. And you guys are communicating. And she feels fulfilled. Because see, everything she does to make you comfortable sexually and romantically after that, after she has now envisioned herself with you, she's stroking your manhood right then. And I don't mean literally. That's the reason why you don't have to be an asshole in the bedroom. Because what she's doing is she's positioning you to say, hey, This is where I need for you to be. Because, see, you being here with me in this position, what this does for me is it eliminates all the other men that I would think about being with and focus on you. Because you listen. Because, and then she's going to get equity in your ass then. Because at that point, that's when the serious question comes up. When she's had the orgasm and she is like, done 
and now she's laying on your chest purring? Fellas, this is when the serious questions are going to start coming about. What do you think about us having a child? What do you think about us moving in together? What do you think about us having a family? Now, why she's doing this is because now she feels a level of comfort in you and your leadership as her man to think on that level. Because she's not only concerned now, she's feeling good. Well, here's the thing. That means that the package is complete that you have presented to her. You satisfied her in the bedroom. Now, that was just part of it. You stimulated her cerebrally. That's just part of it. You guys connected emotionally with the chemistry. That's just a part of it. And all three of these components have to be combined in order for her to make that assessment to advance the relationship forward. Now, she's going to do it provided that those criteria are met. If they're not, mm mm-mm. Nope. Because, see, here's the thing. The woman that wants a relationship to last, it may depend on where she is as far as her place in life, her status. So if she's 35, she's going to have a different romantic and sexual desire than a woman who's 45 or than a woman who's 25. The woman who's 25 may not be looking at the guy that she's with as a potential husband. Some do, she may not. The woman who's 45 may be looking for someone that's going to go forward with them into retirement, into her golden years. Usually people who are older, 45 and up, for the most part, when they date, they're looking for someone that they don't have to go back to the trough of... uh, dating sites to find someone else. They're not looking for short-term, more than likely they're looking for long-term. Because they don't want to have to go through the fray of looking, and you're talking about people that are irritated about going to dating sites and meeting people. People 45 and up are. The ones that aren't are usually the ones that are engaged in that lifestyle on a permanent basis. So they like the chase. They like going through the cycles of trying to find the right person for them. That's what they do. So it varies in different ways. Now, another thing you have to also look at with this. A woman becomes very possessive and protective when you have made her feel a way she hasn't felt before, a way she, even when she masturbated, she couldn't make herself feel the way that she felt with you. And I'm not talking just the sexual side. I'm talking about the whole package. 
Because see, the way a woman actually operates for the most part, and it varies because women are different, but usually they want the whole complete package. Some can compartmentalize. Don't get, don't get it twisted. But most women don't like doing that. They want the whole story. They want the whole narrative of the man. They don't want to be the woman that just says, oh, he, he got good dick. That's it. This is the reason why a lot of women are slow when it comes to having sex. They want to make sure they've made the right choice. And a woman feels vulnerable because she's given him her all. She's naked. She's vulnerable. She's smaller than the man in some cases. She's conscious about the way her body looks. She's bashful about that. And in some cases, she's shocked when a man really finds her desirable. She's shocked when a man is actually making love to her. Especially if it's the first time she's ever been made love to. Ladies, I have dated women that were in their 30s, 40s, that had never been made love to. They've been fucked, but they've never been made love to. And see, that's the distinction. A lot of women go through life where they're fucked, but they've never been made love to. And that's the thing. And it's more than you think. There are a lot of women in their 60s and 70s that way, I'm sure. Because here's the thing. There are some people that get into relationships and they only have to be adequate at it. Meaning, oh, well, my partner wants sex. I'll give them sex. But they don't try to make it a pleasurable experience. They just try to make an experience that's survivable. Why do you think some of these women write into the show about not having orgasms and they've in their 50s and 60s been married for 20, 30, 40 years? Never had an orgasm. So we have to face it. No matter how old the woman is, She's still a woman. She still has needs and desires. A lot of women stay single because they're afraid that they won't find a man that's going to listen to them and help them. And a lot of men are frustrated because they're thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to listen to a woman because I know how to have sex. I know how to... Yeah, you know how to fuck. But do you know how to make love to a woman? Another thing is, women a lot of times lose confidence in their judgment and in themselves when they make too many bad choices in men. They beat themselves up. And yes, there are consequences to that. Probably remember Kevin Samuel's show years ago, or a year ago, whenever it was. That's just so when um, he had these women on the show constantly calling in on Zoom call, dressed to the nines, talking about they're looking for a man 
high value man, et cetera, et cetera, and they'd have four kids or be married or divorced or whatever, or never married. But what you had to realize was it was more or less like these women were going to church to be redeemed in a public forum to qualify their situation and why that would be a good choice. It's a basic concept. He puts on a suit, sits behind a desk, just like the Tonight Show, and have people just go in, zoom them in, and then he goes and he can go and give his opinion on it. I didn't quite agree with that format. That's the reason why I never pursued it. You're trying to help people. Because even when you try to tear them down a bit and then try to help them back, build them back up, sometimes that shit doesn't work. But here's the thing you got to remember. These decisions that you make, ladies, it's hard enough, you're harder on yourself than anybody could be on you. And as men, we judge you based on your actions and what you say and what you actually pursue and what you don't. These things are very important. So what do we look at? We look at your acts of integrity. Is there something that you said that you followed through on where it symbolizes trust? That's one thing we look for, for sure. Being of your word. See, you hear a lot of women say honesty and loyalty. Well, to a man, integrity covers loyalty and honesty. Doing what you said and doing the right thing when no one else is watching. This means a lot. Now, one more thing before we go here. Fellas, once you've got the mapping, because a woman will usually guide you through the process of things that may be very stimulating to her, burn those things in your head. A woman who loves you is going to ask you, what do you like, just like you've asked her. It's not going to be a one-sided thing, and she's going to try to please and accommodate you as well. Now, here's the thing. As she shares these things with you, from a woman's perspective, from the ladies I've been told by this, they're giving you a magic key as to how to make them orgasm, how to make love to them. And they look at that key that they've given you by going with you and having the sex with you and showing you all of the things, the nuances and stuff that they like. What they're doing is they're saying, even if I were to be with someone else, only you know how to please me. I would have to teach the other guy. In other words, what the woman is conveying is that I wouldn't get any fulfillment out of cheating on you as much as I would being with you. I know this is a foreign concept for some of you because some of you are so used to dealing with ain't shit people that you wouldn't know what to do. 
Oh man, that shit don't work, man. What you talking about? It does. Ask a quality woman. She'll tell you. A woman that doesn't really care about herself as much. She'll slough this off like, oh, that's nothing. But that shows you the opinion she has of herself, which is low. You know, when you hear pessimistic people, one thing to keep in mind. The first thing you need to look at, how do they perceive themselves? If they perceive themselves in a negative way that they convey, that tells you right there. Should you be around that person? And if so, why? We'll talk more in a minute. Years ago, I moved to Indiana from California. I thought the small town country life, it just sounded very um, romantic. I was only there a year, and I was there that long because I had to save up money to get back home. There was no work. There was, you had to work at a grocery store, or a slaughterhouse, or a factory. And the minimum wage was so low. I was hearing how cheap the housing was out there, but housing isn't cheap when you're not earning money. It was so bad. None of my job experience worked there. I mean, I was too experienced and educated to get a job there. The racism. Oh my God, the racism. I asked a neighbor um, if I could borrow a can opener because I hadn't unpacked mine yet. And she asked me if I had washed the cans and I said no. And I'm never heard of that before and she's like some n-word could have had his dirty hands all over this another time i had to go up i think it was to evansville um to get some paperwork done um i think it was medicaid and my neighbor told me she's like make sure you bring a man with you and i'm like why and she said because it's filled with black people I had to drive an hour away to get my license. An an hour away, like that's why I'm against voter ID because I had you have to drive an hour, then go wait at the DMV. Hope they don't mess up because the DMV always messes up. And then an hour back, it was like half a day. The only donut shop around was only open from six to nine on Sunday. There were two churches in town, and if you didn't belong to one, you were a pariah. Everyone did drugs. They drove drunk because there's nothing else to do there. They stole pigs from the slaughterhouse for pig roasts, um, which is actually fun. Um, Corn everywhere, but it's just no work, racism, drugs and alcohol everywhere. Oh, and everyone was getting married and having babies as teenagers. It was definitely a culture shock. And this isn't really a discouraging thing, just a funny thing. Their fashion was about 10 years behind California's fashion.
Special DJ. <laughs> Ma'am, you have moved based on what is called false economy. False economy means that I could live somewhere cheaper and still retain some of the benefits and attributes I already have established where I am. In other words, I can go to Indiana, Mississippi, Kentucky with all of this education and make somewhere close to the same amount of money I was making in California. Bullshit. Here's what happens, folks. California is the wealthiest state in the country. Has an economy of over $31.5 trillion. If it wasn't for California, the United States would be ranked well down the column when it comes to the economy. We'd be like 70th or 75th. Being that California is the fifth largest economy in the world, outranking countries like Italy, France, others. People are envious of this state in the United States because of the fact that it has the best coastline, the best weather, the best economy, and the best infrastructure. And the problem is people can't afford to live here. Why is that? Well, one of the main flaws in the United States in general is that We do something that other countries don't. We allow people in different countries to buy property on our coastline. Well, naturally, they're willing to pay whatever it is. There's no cap on it. So what it does, believe it or not, it artificially raises the value of homes in the outlying areas. I still don't see why in the hell a house in Victorville would be worth $600,000. And how far are you away from the beach? You're out in the middle of the desert. But this is what happens sometimes. And I was referring to this based on the 2008 uh, situation where they built all those homes in places like the Inland Empire that didn't really retain their value. But let's get back to what this lady is talking about here in particular. She had culture shock, of course. She was expecting to go back to Indiana and buy a house. And many of them do because they went to California. California is very, very competitive. So I advise you strongly, if you're moving to California, get you an education before you get there. That's going to be really the starting block for you. And you hear a lot of people talk, yeah, you know, you don't need an education. with Yes, you do. Because that's going to help you get through more doors than anything else. Because let me tell you what happens in Cali. It works in clicks. And if you're not in a certain click, you don't advance. That's the way it is. And they base it on education, their reputation, as far as if they refer you on on down the line. Now, a lot of places have the same thing. Now, A lot of people are pissed off because California is doing better than the other states. So therefore, there's this penis envy about it. But let's face one thing here. It's a necessary evil. Vegas wouldn't exist without California. Reason being, the very fruits, very vegetables that are in many of the restaurants and hotels come from California. The seafood 
is imported through California ports. We don't think about these things. Anything coming in from Asia comes through California. Washington State, maybe, but definitely California. So what I'm saying is, is this. Instead of cursing something, you need to praise it for one thing. It's keeping us where we are in the world. Without it, being one of those also-ran countries, we'd be looking at the UK or Germany to be our messiah financially. Be thankful we have California for that reason. Now, another thing we have to look at here is that she was expecting a lifestyle associated with where she was moving to. You forfeit all of that. And here's the thing. No shade on any of these other states. If you go to a state that doesn't really have the infrastructure, doesn't have the income, the the budget, you're going to have to reduce your expectations to what you're dealing with. But now, one thing that you have to also realize with a lot of these states, states, especially the southern states, they have misappropriated and misused funds for many decades. You look at Jackson, Mississippi. There's no way in the hell they should have a water problem. This has been something that's been going on for decades. But what they would like to do is see that, hey, you got a black mayor and, you know, after all, no, it was well before that. Well before the money gets to him. It goes through the hands of those senators and congressmen who are not black. And it's just like the old, good old South. These are problems that's been festering for years. I remember growing up and the white teachers would come to the public schools where black kids were because it paid better. Because they, instead of allocating the funds for education like they normally should, they built these damn Christian academies, all whites. But the problem was the pay was less and the teachers couldn't advance their careers as well. So you have to adjust to whatever situation you're dealing with and understand that you can't hold them to the same standard as California. Apples and oranges, totally. California is larger, has a larger economy. You can't make comparisons. But one thing that you have to understand, too, is this. There is a definite offset for the benefit you get for that cheap housing. And you have to understand it. I've had friends that left Vegas, moved down to Mississippi, moved down to Alabama, moved down to Atlanta, and have moved back. Because I, I can't deal with the cultural difference. I can't deal with the lack of infrastructure. True enough, in Vegas, you don't have as much as you do in California, but you do have more than some of those southern states. And then you have to deal with this as well. You got to deal with how's the law enforcement in those places. Now, I'm going to play a clip for you about a woman who was going through Mississippi from Florida and her experience with this police officer 
who was actually jealous of her. And you have to deal with petty shit like that. See, when you have a larger population, there's more to do and less focus on you. Smaller population, people don't have too much to do. So somebody comes into town that's new, oh, hell, they got a whole investigation they can pull. But that's just the way it is. So I don't fault this lady for finding this out. But a lot of people who have left California are shocked when they find this out because they've lived in California all their lives or maybe lived in another state and moved there and then all of a sudden they moved to another rural state where they're trying to save money. Now, this is not to downplay anybody in the state you live in in the United States. Let's get that straight. But we have to face the fact that if it wasn't for California, we would rank lower on the economic food chain globally. But wherever you live in this country, you got to remember one thing. It's your home. You love it. And therefore, each part of this country has a different style, which is a good thing, a different cultural and regional style. And that's a good thing because of the fact that it promotes diversity. It would be boring as hell if the whole country was like California. It would be boring as hell if the whole country was like New York or like Florida. So being that we have these diverse 50 states, that's what makes it wonderful. Now, Another thing that this young lady has to come to grips with when we talk about careers. Take, for instance, you're coming to California as an example. If you come to California and you go on and you advance your education while you're working, one thing not to expect if you were to leave is to make the same kind of money that you did when you do because the economies are different. Cost of living is higher in California, so they have to pay more. So if you go to somewhere like Oklahoma, you may not make as much, but you'll still have a decent life. And you gotta watch the kind of debt you take from California to other states. You may go and finance a car in Cali, and that car may be, we'll say a 2022 Chevy Impala, and we'll say it's $32,000 fully loaded. And your car payments are somewhere around six to 700 a month when you can go down to Mississippi, see that same car, that car probably has a sticker price of 29,000. And if you were to finance that same car, it would cost you much less per month. Now, why would that be? Well, for one thing, California has the admissions requirement, the admissions required, admissions, right? Admissions requirement for the vehicle, meaning that those catalytic converters on the vehicle and all of those things are California specified, which is different from the rest of the 50 states. So that's something else you'd have to worry about. So what would be the best solution and something like that would probably be to sell the car in California to someone else that'd be willing to pay the price for it, knowing what they would have to deal with in that environment. And you buy the car that you wanted down there in Mississippi or wherever you're going to, Oklahoma 
be cheaper, and then it's your destination. You're going to have to learn that you're going to have to adapt to your destination wherever it is. Don't go in there thinking that you're going to change the world and make every place like California. That's not for you to do. Now, you may be comfortable with things there, but now you may see some things that may work better that you can bring from California and introduce to your city council or something like that. But don't try to make the environment the same place. People try it all the time here in Vegas. It doesn't work. But you have a lot of California transplants here. I think at one point it was like 60% of people here came from California. Well, here's the thing you got to remember too with that is that a lot of people don't realize some of the things that are really biting us in the ass here in Vegas is not even from California. Homeowners Association are very big down in Florida and in a lot of southern states. And it's very big here in Vegas. A lot of communities in California fight against them. And the reason why is because a lot of times these organizations are nothing more than leeches. You know, some of the prestigious locations I've lived in in California, they didn't have an HOA. The reason being, because everybody knew <laughs> how to take care of their property. Well, you see these HOAs a lot of times are in places where Oh, Johnny's going to probably pull his truck up and change the oil in his front yard. And, of course, it gives you a sense of status. You can't be in a house in California, so you come to Vegas and you rent a house and you live in large. Something you can't do in California. You'd be living in an apartment. Things like that. But that's the reality of it. Years ago, people were coming to California, I mean, coming to uh, Las Vegas because they were renting in California. And what they were paying in rent in California for a three-bedroom, they could rent a whole house in Nevada for about $200, $300 less per month. And this is what they were doing. So you saw a large group of people come to Vegas based on that premise. And of course, the homeowners didn't mind because the place was going to be rented out. They had monthly income coming in from the payments every month. So they were happy with that. But these are things we have to consider and think about. It's kind of crazy at times, but this is the way we are going to live our lives. We're going to have to relocate at times. Some of us are going to have careers where we're going to have to move because we can't afford the cost of living there. There are people, I remember in California, that lived in certain areas and would commute. I remember women that used to work in the city of Beverly Hills that lived in South Central Los Angeles. They couldn't afford to live in Beverly Hills, but they could afford in South Central. See, it used to be the time where you could live within proximity of where you work. But the problem now is real estate is so high in some of these areas where 
you would actually pay far more to live in proximity of your job than it would be for you to commute. Even with a car payment, even with the gas. And I tell you, for a lot of people who were doing the commute, that remote working during COVID helped you out a lot. Some of you became contractors. So it all depends. But one thing I will tell you, be prepared, do your due diligence and your research before you move somewhere and not just be motivated because of cheaper rent. Because that is false economy. Because you could have cheaper rent, a cheaper house payment, like a couple of my friends realized when they moved down south. And what happened? After they bought the property, they had the rains and the floods and the storms. They didn't realize that the insurance that they had had all kind of caveats in it. Being that they were in a floodplain that they didn't know about when they bought the property. You learn. But it's best to be aware of where you're going and what you're getting into. I can't stress that enough because so many people just start out and say, oh, it's cheaper to live here. Look at what you're giving up. Look at what you're getting. We'll talk more in a moment. CPR Street Gang, this is Bob Mighty, over. CPR Street Gang, this is Bob Mighty, over. CPR Street Gang, this is Bob Mighty, standing by, over. CPR Street Gang, this is Bob Mighty, over. Street Gang, this is Bob Mighty, over. TPR Street Gang, this is Bob Mighty, standing by, over. All right, folks, I posted a, <laughs> I posted an article on uh, Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. And look, I'm going to tell you now. The article was about the uses of mayonnaise when it came to sex. Now, the only thing I'm saying is this. Don't try any of those things unless you are a consenting adult. And I still wouldn't recommend that you try any of the suggestions they have there. I don't know whether that's kind of uh, humor in jest, but I thought it was kind of interesting and I just posted it. So, enter as you will, I don't recommend putting anything in your body that's any kind of foreign substance or object, such as jars or cans or anything like that. And some people take the mayonnaise and different substances, ketchup, uh, there was one lady I'll never forget. <laughs> I shouldn't be telling this, but I am. 
rest her soul. She passed away several years ago. She would put mustard on my penis for oral sex. Let me tell you something, folks. You know that spicy hot mustard? That shit burns. But the regular French's worked. That was a fetish of hers. That was something she always did. And I asked her, I said, well, why? She said, I just like mustard. I like to taste the mustard. And she would do things like we'd go out to eat. Let's go get hamburgers. Go to Johnny Rockets. And she'd go get the mustard packets. And I'm like, oh, Lord. What that's about. But she became a little bit too strange with some of the requests. And she wanted to join these other groups. And it was like, nah, it's time for me to go. But it was an interesting experience. The lady who tried to fit the donut around the manhood and she was going to bite around the donut. Hell no, because one of those bites might bite something. Mm -mm. We're going to do it. You will have people that will have different sexual fantasies and sexual desires and different things that they like doing. My friend was telling me about this one lady that he dated and what she liked doing was she would take the hamburger go and buy a hamburger and what she would like to do is to eat the hamburger while she was giving fellatio. And my friend was telling me about it. He said, man, that's the weirdest shit I ever saw. He said, but that's what she liked doing. People have different things that they prefer. I've read some of the fetishes and some of the fantasies that some of you have written in. The one lady who loves to put relish on her lower extremities for her husband to consume. And I'm not going to mention the lady that put the cantaloupe in a place that I care never to imagine. Ma'am, the only thing I can say is, if that is you in that video, you're by far one of the most talented people on the planet. You should be a multimillionaire now. And you should be in an infirmary because I know that had to hurt like hell. When I was going through some of the emails, Gina and I, and some of you folks got some strange fantasies and strange uh, habits. And what I had Gina to do was make a list of them, and we're just going to go through some of them. And I told her I didn't want to gross anybody out, so we left all the crazy, the real crazy stuff out. And there were some. People that like watermelon during sex. 
Now, one of the things I found out was that the person who wrote this email about this, I'm not going to read it because it's kind of graphic, but the person who wrote this email is from Indiana and they're Caucasian. They live in Terre Haute. But the husband and wife eat watermelon while they're having sex. I don't know what the hell they're going to do off season though, but this is what they do. There was another couple. The woman likes for him to put a flower inside of her vagina and sniff it before they actually have sex. These are all weird things that people want before being intimate. There's another couple that wanted to have chocolate whipped cream sprayed over the private parts of each other and eaten off. Grapes inside of female. And ladies, please be careful. I don't recommend you put any foreign object in your body. But grapes, raspberries, things like that, be very careful. You know what? Consult your doctor before you even think about anything, putting anything in there. Seriously. Because you never know. Something may get stuck in there. You may have to go to ER. They had strawberries, they had all kinds of things here. Bananas, which is a common thing. And just as a footnote, some older women, the way they would have guys learn how to do oral sex was to put up a banana in their vagina and have the guy eat it out but do it in a way where he had to use his tongue in order to advance the banana out of her vagina and towards his mouth. Now, in no way am I condoning or saying you need to do all of this or you should do all of this. The only thing I can say is this. As a person who's privy to some of this stuff, error on the side of caution by not engaging in some of these practices or if you do consult your doctor first to see what the health worthiness of this is don't just go out there and willy-nilly do it don't be a monkey see monkey do because a lot of you have written in about certain things that you want to know is this safe or is that safe some of this stuff is ridiculous Women wanting beds with the knobs on the bedpole so they could squat down on top of it. Go figure. Getting certain electronic devices 
so they can insert it inside them. You'll run across every kind of situation and fetish you can think of. When you're out there meeting people, not even just online, but just everyday people that you know, you don't know what their sexual proclivities are. You just see them in the generic packaging that you see everybody else in every day. And you start having a relationship with them, then you don't know. And this is the concept, this is the reason why I don't understand why women don't like dating friends, people who already know them. But now I kind of see in a way why not, why they won't. And here's the perspective I see. There is a level of depravity that they have that they haven't, that that friend hasn't seen yet. That they don't want that friend to see because it would ruin their reputation with that friend. Now, here's the thing. They would rather tell them the sanitized version of what happened. Like they tell the male friend, oh yeah, I had sex, we did this, we did that. But she won't go into detail because she doesn't want him to be privy to the situation that she actually was exposed to. So she always had that reputation. And this is where ladies miss out a lot. Ladies, that friend of yours that you still kind of like, because if you didn't like him, he wouldn't be in a friend zone hanging around you. That may more than likely be the guy you need to start fucking. And you need to start being in a relationship with. Those new guys that you're trying to go and experiment with and you get all these jerks and after a while those jerks pile up, but yet you're ignoring that friend that's right there who's had to listen to your bullshit all the time. He already knows what you need and what you want. The thing is, you don't. That's the reason why you keep going forward blindly with all these other guys that lead to nowhere. Heartbreak. So you may want to consider that friend. And I know you say, well, I know him too well. Well, that's even better. Because you got to remember, there's a lot of pent-up demand between the two of you. He's been wanting to fuck you for a long time. You've been wanting to see what it was like to fuck him for a long time, but you were afraid to. So you just hung him around in the friend zone because you thought he'd be a cute little accessory to your entourage. Then some of you are afraid that if you screw the guy, you're going to fall in love with him. Seen that happen. There's something else that happened to me one time. There was this one lady that I knew. We were friends. We were neighbors. And we were pretty cool as neighbors. And then one day, she told me, she says, um, I'm going to be leaving town. I said, oh, really? You're going, you know, maybe for vacation? She said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm relocating for good. I'm going back to New York. She was from New York. And she would always complain about L.A., But she was the kind of lady that was more of a real buddy and friend and not really somebody that I'd want to sleep with. Not that she wasn't fine. She had her hips and she had everything, but she didn't didn't express 
herself sexually as much as she did intellectually. Well, at the time she said, well, I want you to come over because there's some things that I bought brand new that I'm going to be giving away that I don't have any use for when I get back to New York. And I'm like, well, you know, I prefer buying my own shit as opposed to just getting something from somebody else. So I went over there and she had comforters and stuff like that. Brand new. And they looked good. They weren't the flowery type. They had these little artistic designs on them and everything. And then I'm sitting there, you know, putting the stuff in the boxes. And I look out the corner of my eye and old girl's like butt naked. She's taking off all her clothes. And she said, well, since we're going to be parting ways, we might as well find out what it would have been like. We started fucking and couldn't stop. It was like, we did it was really, in a way, it was kind of crazy because it was more of a carnal type desire than it was anything else. It was like, we were both saying that we knew we should have done this in the first place. Why the hell did we play these games? That's what it came down to. And then afterwards, she was like, well, you ought to move to New York. with No. Mm-mm. Nope. And that was our parting situation. We still keep in touch to this very day, and I'm trying to get her on the show. And she's been a good person throughout my lifetime. I enjoy her, and we've had a lot of fun together. But the one thing to keep in mind, folks, is this. When you have these friends in your life, and things are not panning out the way they could romantically, you may want to start looking at that friend, because that friend could be a better bet than what you're trying to go for. Because the worst thing in the world to do is to waste a lot of time on somebody that's going nowhere emotionally. Yeah, you're having all the sex and fulfillment in the world, but there's no other fulfillment there. At least with that friend, you have something to talk about. You have something to cross-reference. You have something to build from and something to dwell on. And sometimes we don't really look at that. In other words, we'd like to turn the other cheek, look the other way, and act like, oh, well, you know, I got to go out and reinvent the wheel and find somebody new and see if we could work something out and see if I don't get used, see if I don't get hurt, see if I don't get a BS. And after a while, that gets old. You're doing too much work for so little. So instead of putting yourself in that position, you may want to take a look at that friend. And here's the thing. You don't want to rush into it because you got, you know, you just broke up and then, you know, you're still trying to get it together. No, give yourself a minute or two. And then you may want to look at that friend of yours. Because you don't have to be so desperate that you got to go right into it and make sure that, hey, you know, I got to get my... 20 minutes of fame with this person. Notice I didn't say 15. You don't have to do that. Just take your time. 
Give your friend a shot. You never know. I will tell you, throughout my 30 plus years, I'd say about, I'd say about 10 to 12 times, it came down to where we were platonic friends. We wound up fucking before some catalyst happened, whether she was leaving or whether I was leaving. But there was always a situation where that occurred. Now, I didn't mind that because even though we were platonic friends, I was still dating other people and seeing other people. So it wasn't like the world stopped because we were friends and I was trying to wait out and hold out for them. It's the reason why I tell you guys never do this. Always keep going forward as far as uh, meeting people. Because getting stuck on stupid, you let the gamma males do that. The ones that are don't have the interpersonal skills and they're trying to get with this woman and she's already put him in the friend zone, but he thinks he can work himself out of that because he knows if he gets with her, he'll be respected as an alpha male, even though he's a gamma. You don't want to be in the chump section like that. She wants to be platonic friends, okay, let her. But see, here's the thing about that platonic friendship thing that I had to learn with some of these women that I dated. They get jealous when you stop putting them as the focal point and stop spending time with them as much. They feel left out and they're going to go and try to get their segment of time with you. And of course, if they're trying to lead with this possibility of having sex with them, oh, they're going to stretch it. Because see, the thing is, they like you, but they are, I wouldn't say stupid. I would say stubborn in their approach. Because the problem is, for them, it would be too much like right to say that, hey, you know what? Maybe we should give it a shot. She's got you in the friend zone, but she's got you there deliberately because of the fact that she wants to isolate you, but she wants to isolate you in a way where you have kind of lost your romantic intentions for her and she could observe you to see whether or not you're the kind of person she wants. This is a game some women play. Now, another thing too, guys, is this. Remember I told you about being friends before you get into the relationship? The way that works is if it's a mutual thing, the two of you agree to that. If it's a thing where she's calling you a friend before you get a chance or you calling her a friend before she gets a chance, then that's a whole different ballgame. That's when you're actually in the friend zone. See, if it's mutually agreed that you guys are friends, you guys are actually working on the relationship. But if one puts you in the friend zone or the other, that's where you are. That's the difference. For a relationship to go forward, the two of you declare yourselves as friends and then you work towards a relationship with the goal. Well, you know, what What are your intentions? Oh, I hope they have a long-term relationship in yours. Oh, I hope they have a long-term relationship. And there you go. Now, another thing too I get a lot of emails about. When it comes down to people talking about short-term, long-term relationships, let me tell you, the people that hook up the most are people between the ages of 59 
to 65. These are the people, it's about 19% of them, women mainly, that are fucking the most, those demographics. Now here's the interesting thing though. These women are not necessarily one of these type of folks that just gonna go out and just let it all hang out with a whole bunch of people. They usually find one person that they want to screw. But these are the very same people that say they don't want to hook up. But in actuality, this is what they do, but they hook up with the same person. That's the distinction. Now you have some that get into different lifestyles and they go out and they see other people. Because I remember there was an article about the villages down there in Florida. And uh, there was a lady on TikTok who was a nurse at one of the facilities nearby. And she was talking about it was difficult for her to convey to the seniors there that they were having more of a problem with STDs with seniors than the normal ailments that they would have with some of the older people. Grandma with chlamydia. Grandpa with the clap. Grandma with gonorrhea. It's a problem. But whenever you have a group of people that are co-eds, you're going to have sex. It's going to happen. That's the way it happens. It goes that way. Poet dormitories. That's just the way it happens. And see, I think that where we make our mistake in our society too is that we have repressed sex so much until now we put a unwarranted premium on it. And a lot of these women think that that's all they're worth is sex. Oh, if he fucks me, I'm no good to him. So I'll just lead him on. This has worked against us for many, many years. At some point, we need to grow up. More in a moment. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 
available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.